Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. My co-host is Bruce Aldridge. I am the editor and publisher of theweeklydriver.com, and I write a syndicated automotive column for Bay Area News Group. Today we're going to go into a different part of the automotive world. Actually, it's the recreational vehicle world, and my co-host Bruce and his wife just got back from, I believe, about three weeks, uh, their second time in a recreational vehicle, and they went from where we do our podcast from Sacramento to the Grand Canyon and had all kinds of great experiences. So today we're going to focus on Bruce's trip to the Grand Canyon and all of that encompassed in his second time in a, an RV. Bruce, welcome. What's going on? I know you have a lot to share today with your, your, with your trip. Hi, James. Relaxing. That's the key word on motorhome travel. Yes. We just loved it. We didn't take our dog this time. Last time, the beauty of a motorhome, you know, you can take your pets with you. We didn't take him this time. That's uh, probably a whole other show why we didn't. Yeah. Uh, he had uh, sort of anger issues, so we, <laughs> we sent him off to camp. So we went without him, but uh, an RV is a great, great time with your pet. Anyway, we traveled 2,540 miles in 17 days. So probably not a lot of driving, uh, you know, that's, I don't know how many that days that is on average, but uh, our longest days were six and seven hours driving. So those were long days, but uh, they were only a few. Um, we went to see Grand Canyon, Bryce Canyon, Canyonlands, Arches Lands, and also we went to Zion, which probably was the highlight of the trip. So I'm going to go backwards a little bit. You and your wife, uh, Aline, weren't in the RV world, but a little while ago when you did it for the first time, what was the, what was the, uh, how did it, what was the precipitation of you guys getting involved with RVs? Was it a friend who had done it? And, and how did you make that leap into the RV world at, uh, in a middle age that you'd never done before? How, well, how did that whole thing start for you guys? I think it basically was for our dog. And if you take off, everybody wants, I think, there's some adventure in every one of us. At least there is people I know. You want to get in that car and do a road trip. I mean, that's just great. That's America, right? Yes. Freedom. Uh, so we wanted to do a road trip, and we wanted to take our dog. And so that kind of limits you because if you if you have to stay in hotels, motels, there just aren't that many animal-friendly places. So RV was it. Mm-hmm. So the first time, uh, what kind of RV did you have the first time or motorhome? And then how did you decide? I know you had a different one this time. Can you tell me about the first experience with that vehicle as opposed to this, the most recent uh, experience with the other vehicle that you had? Well, we started out last year about this time with a 25-footer, and uh, it had one slide-out. A slide-out makes, makes the, the cabin wider so you have more room inside once you park. Um, but we decided to go a little bigger this time, and that's sort of the way you always go big or go right, home. Right. So we got a 27-footer, but this one had three slide-outs, so it was really bigger than just the, the extra two feet because uh, three feet is the bed that slides out the back. So that to me, I think it, just that two feet gave you really five feet of interior space. And then it had a, a slide-out for a wardrobe area and then a slide-out for the main dining and uh, kitchen area. What brands are we talking about here? How did you how did you um, uh, come to get that the second motorhome? Well, both of these motorhomes were rented from a local place in Sacramento called Happy Days RV, and they had uh, they they do the it's a Ford chassis, 
and this is a it's called Sunseeker by Forest River was the manufacturer, mm -hmm. and uh, we really enjoyed them. Not being an RV guy at all, but you and I have both driven lots of different cars, sports cars to big cars, our, the trucks and so forth. So for me to to jump into an RV and and uh, try that kind of excursion, what is the learning curve and and the second time around, we have far more comfortable than the first time around. And, and so talk about, if you can, the, the, the driving experience of being in an R, a motorhome or an RV as opposed to just being in a passenger car. Well, the darn thing is 101 inches wide. I think that's like something like eight and a half feet wide. And I know my the Subaru that I, my daily driver is five, five and a half feet wide. Mm -hmm. So that extra three feet is something to, you have to deal with but on the open road on a freeway uh, there's super wide lanes uh, it it goes down the road really nice it's there's no problems the problems come into if you add a bumpy road or wind that they're quite a big sail up there yes and then heavy traffic and when you add those things things become a handful I found very tiring because you got to be on that thing there's no texting or you know, listening to the wife or anything. You, yes. <laughs> you, you have to concentrate. So fortunately, you don't have all those factors piled up at once. Uh, if you just add, you know, curvy road or bumpy road, then that's okay. You, you still, you're still not texting, but uh, you're semi-okay. But you start adding the other factors, it's a handful. Did you guys run into a situation, considering you're in, a, you're in an area where there's, you know, the weather can change all the time. Did you guys have to stop at some point because of the weather, or did you manage to get through your trip without any anything that was too um, too extreme? We had beautiful weather. It was, you know, mid high 60s and sunny. We never saw a cloud for 17 days, so we had perfect weather. We did have windy days, mm -hmm. and most of them were tailwinds, which are okay. But you get the side winds and the frontal wind. Boy, the coach becomes a uh, it becomes a handful. You you know you got the the wheel. You're saw it looks like you're sawing wood, you know, handling that uh, wheel up there. I think you you told me that you had a flat tire, and so were you able to take care of that yourself, or did you have someone come out and help you, or how did what was that like a flat tire in a car, but a lot different than a flat tire in a motorhome? Uh, well, it's a bit different. We have no tools and uh, no jack for this thing you know it's a behemoth the thing is the yeah. gross is the gross vehicle weight is like oh my goodness it's like uh, 12,000 12,000 pounds I believe it's it's a heavy beast yeah so uh, no we we had to call somebody but uh, what happened was we got a the flat was overnight and there was a guy next to us who had a uh, pump so he put air in the tire he put about 40 pounds in it and we we limped about four miles into town to a tire shop, and they took care of it. Okay. Now, um, obviously, motorhomes and passenger cars or trucks have different specs. So, tell me about what what do you determine in terms of gas mileage or um, speed that you traveled, and and how is that different than uh, you know being in your Subaru, for example, which I know you have. So, talk about it, uh, the what you discovered and how, how that trip went for you in terms of the economics of the trip. Yeah, the economics. Uh, well, first of all, the whole price, it came to about $217 per day on our trip. Yes. Which is, you know, more than cheap hotels, but 
not only a hotel you have to leave in the morning and you don't get back till at night, mm -hmm. the, the this hotel rolls with you. So right. it's really nice for stopping anytime you want, use the bathroom anytime you want, um, having lunch anytime you want. Plus the hotel room, you have to go out for all your meals. Yes. And the motorhome, you got your fridge, you got your beer. Um, all that any, stuff. Anything you need right there. Right. And so you get to use it all day long. So when you add those type of things, maybe that 217 a day is not so bad. Mm -hmm. um, what was interesting, I thought, with the gas, um, it came out to $2.67 per gallon is the average cost of all of our gas, which was, I bet you, I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. You know, some was lower in some states, some was higher. Of course, California's higher. Yes. But that was the average. And we spent $561 to go uh, 2,540 miles. Okay. And that averages, so that was 211 gallons that we burned. Mm -hmm. And anyway, the grand total, you'll never guess the uh, mileage on this thing. No, I have no idea. Well, yeah, well if we, we heard horror stories, you know, yeah. eight, eight and nine. <clears throat> yes, yes. And I guess this is a horror story too, but it was better than that eight and nine. Anyway, it came out to 12.02 miles per gallon. That's not so bad, and actually. And that, for some reason, I got a real soft shoe. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I was amazed at that, 12.02 miles per gallon. And so when you're driving on the open roads, like in a car, you want to have a relaxful drive. You want to be a, have a consistent drive. So I'm assuming that you had cruise control. Yeah. It, it, I think cruise control is the way to go, and it makes it so much more relaxing. You're looking left at the left mirror, the right mirror. And then at the rearview mirror, and there's a backup camera. So you're constantly scanning. At least for me, it, it, it's your eyeballs really work overtime. I didn't need to be going down looking at the speedometer at the same time. So cruise control helps, and I just don't go very fast. Hey, I cruise along. I'm not in a hurry. I'm trying right. to relax. Yeah. So I only went 62, 63, 64 miles per hour tops, mm -hmm. and that probably helps the gas. And I... You know, on the big hills, I rarely went over 2,500 RPM holding it. Mm -hmm. Now, occasionally on a short, steep one or something, I'd go to 3,500 RPM. But uh, mostly, I'm just loping that big old 6.8 liter just really slow. I'm easy on it. One of the things about, as you mentioned earlier, about adventure and freedom and having being on the open road, did you guys have an itinerary set? I knew that you had to be at one particular place during a certain number of days to do a half marathon in the Grand Canyon, but on the other days, did you guys have a set itinerary, or did you just say, hey, let's see where the road takes us today, and we'll, we'll find a place, or did you have reservations? So in terms of the travel and the organization of a trip like this, how did you guys approach that? Yes, we did a little of both. So the first six days we had, we knew we had to be in Grand Canyon mm -hmm. at the South Rim because yes. we did a half marathon run there. Mm -hmm. And so we stayed three nights there. We had reservations, all good. It was perfect. Um, then our next stop was in, we decided we wanted to go to Page, um, Utah, and to see the Slot Canyon. So mm -hmm. that was, we just took off, got a campground there, no problems, and we, we did what we wanted to do there. And then we had reservations in Zion on, you know, like a day later or something. Yes. And we had three nights in Zion. And that was good because there was no camping around Zion. Unless you had a reservation, you were out of luck. Mm hmm so that was perfect. And then after that, we just uh, winged it. Mm -hmm. And where the road takes it, we decided, you know, that, that morning what roads to take from, uh, from Zion up to near Moab, uh, yes. Utah. Mm -hmm. 
uh, did you, uh, when you camped, I know that you met up with some friends, but what was the experience like? I've never done it. I've met in particular one friend when he travels, and I, I've gone into RV campgrounds, and they're very, some of them are very elaborate, some of them are very simple. So what was your experience when you drove into a place and, and you met people, met strangers, or did you meet with other people that you had organized part of the trip with? We met some friends there for the, the half marathon, which was really fun the first night, because then we, we did go out to uh, restaurants and, uh, you know, celebrated our, our victories at the marathon yes. and, and that type of thing. And that was fun to have uh, people around that we knew. But the uh, RV parks are really friendly. They mm -hmm. all seem, they're you know, most people are over 50 there. Yes. Nobody's got any everybody's helpful if you needed something yes you could get it uh really nice folks and you know they're out dog walking and just hanging out it's it's really a relaxing time in, in the rv parks um so give me some observations from this trip and um there were certain things that you saw that that stuck in your mind uh, uh the kind of people you saw on the road the different kinds of vehicles uh you know what what did you, what did you see that stuck out to you uh as an, a person traveling for 17 days in an RV, remember those old games you used to like look for different states, license plates, or things like that. So, what did what did you and your wife um, see that that was uh, memorable in terms of what the open roads like? Well, memorable was probably going. We went down south on uh, 99, which is a major thoroughfare north south in California. We were on that road for like six hours the first day. Yes, and it's all in California, and we're looking is the Priuses they're everywhere they're just like VW's were back in the 60s yes so but as soon as you hit the state line it seemed into Utah the Priuses vanished and I thought that was just funny you know, <laughs> yes. now it became there were still a lot of sedans but mm -hmm. it was pickup trucks and of course over the road uh, big rigs mm -hmm. but uh, the Priuses left it's a California thing I guess yeah and we saw um, once we get into the uh, area of the national parks I guess they were rentals probably uh, just I've never seen so many convertible Mustangs and convertible Camaros That's, really? that seemed to be it had to be convertible or excuse me um, rental vehicles right um, none of them had the top down, you know, I guess right. that's the lures. They have the top down, but after the first day you find out, oh boy, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's the blustering wind, the hot right. sun, you, you, know, yeah. you don't want to do that anymore, but they were, they had the convertibles. Yes. And then, uh, one thing I noted when we were in Utah and you probably wouldn't even realize it in a sedan, but, uh, the precautionary signs like, you know, slow down for curve ahead, uh, right or left turn and speed down um boy you notice it in the motorhome because they don't stop too hot you're you're, right, in, you're right. not in a stop you're, you're driving a truck on these things and yes. so i i <laughs> i like the precautionary signs but there weren't enough of them in utah compared to california yes and anything else that you came across that, that were, was there um were there some downsides or were there things that you say oh gee here we are again and, and i did this the wrong way and i'm learning a Maybe I, I didn't see a curb, or there was something I did. Did you run into any animals? Did you have any problems with animals on the open road? Anything like that that was that was something that you didn't expect out of the ordinary? Well, lots of uh, deer crossing signs. There were a lot of I saw a lot of dead deer, but fortunately I didn't run into any. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we yeah we saw animals out there. We saw um, antelope. In yep. the, antelope were in Nevada. We saw uh, wild boar one day. 
Go near big. the Grand Canyon, that we had to slow down for these two. Yes. These two little fantastic. Pig, I these love two it. big piglets went just, <laughs> just uh, mumbling, uh, waddling across the road. Yeah. And we saw a couple of uh, we saw lots of deer, mm -hmm. and then we also saw um, elk. Oh, great! Which yeah. are big, big deer, really. Really, to me, anybody, yeah. st anybody stupid like take the come take the photo. I'm going to put my arm around the elk. I, I've been on the road, and you see people doing that. And you think. That's a wild animal. It's going to kill you. So uh, no, they they were these were around Grand Canyon. These elk and they were so, they look like you could walk up to them, but no, I wouldn't want to walk up no, to an elk. No, um, so if 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 you were me or anybody else, a friend or you know a, a, some sort of a business associate or anybody you come across and they said, oh, I've, I've been thinking about RVing, but I don't know if I could really do that. So give me some idea of if if you're a first timer, um, what what do you suggest like? Uh, uh, do you suggest getting all your reservations? Do you suggest uh, just winging it and having fun and, and being free, like you said earlier? Or, or what would be your what would be your uh, entry level guide, if you will, for somebody like me? I've never I've never rented an RV. I've never stayed in an RV. So, what are some tips for the first timer that you can think of that would be good? Well, tips for the first timer, I guess, it's kind of like what's the somebody asked, what's the best car? Right. Well, what's your mission? What do you want to do with it? Right, right. Um, so in RVing, I guess the first question is, when are you going? So is it is it peak is it peak travel time? Yes. In the summer? Well, yeah, you have to have reservations. Yes. Um, if if not, I think serendipitous is 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 my the way I like to do it. But sure. if you know, that's how you roll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you know, you got to be uh, you know in Timbuktu on a certain date so you can watch the uh, the playoff. Right game or the NASCAR race, then then you have to plan a little more. One of the things about um, RVing is that you can what I call stealth camping. Yes, uh, you can stay at a truck stop. You can stay along anywhere in the uh, basically in the <clears throat> national forest or a Bureau of Land Management um, land. You can you can camp. Yes, so you can park along the side of the road some places not along the freeway but a but a two lane so if a Walmart parking lot too I Walmart think. <laughs> parking lot so yes perfect so that's one good thing about RVing is the serendipity of just being able to park practically anywhere yes and then an, another goal was um, where you're going to stay and like when you're doing the national parks you have to be somewhat maneuverable mm -hmm. to get in and out mm -hmm. so a big long trailer or a uh, a mobile home pulling a uh, a car that stuff's that's a whole nother level of complexity that yes. I don't want to get involved in yes um, of course and then the sh shorter's better you know, the sprinter vans by Mercedes yes for example the smaller units it's you know it's easier to get around in so yes. you have to decide what you're trying to do uh, trailers for us just would be out of it right they're, they're just too long and you can't back up well the other thing is kind of maybe a little bit of a uh, unusual question, but I think it probably is, it's, is relevant too. So you're traveling with your spouse, or you're traveling with a buddy, let's say, or two buddies, or th you know three women are going out together, but you're in the confines of a, a motorhome together, and you're spending all of your time together, pretty much. So did you guys have to, uh, being a little personal, did you have to have, you know, did you have to say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk, and you, you're going to use the bathroom, or I'm going to go read for an hour, or I'm going to go for a run. Did you spend all of your time together, or did you guys find some time for yourselves, or that's not part of the equation for you guys? Well, my spouse and I, we it's not part of the equation. We we did everything together. Yes. So that was good. And now if you had a, a third wheel, you know, your buddy or something, right. or there was two couples. Yes. Uh, 
for me it just wouldn't work you're, right you're too, you're too confined yes but uh, you and your spouse girlfriend and, and your dog hey, right. that's perfect it's fine okay great well let's see Bruce what else um, when you got back I know that you had some time that you know you went to all these beautiful places Zion the Grand Canyon Bryce Canyon and so when you drove back and like any vacation you, you're having this great time and then you come back and it's kind of a little bit of a downer so you guys made some long hauls at the end of the trip and how did you get through, for lack of a better word, the monotony of driving eight hours on Interstate 80 back from wherever to, to Sacramento? How did you deal with that part of the trip? Yes, there is some monotony. That At the beginning of our trip was our longest day, 411 miles. Mm -hmm. And it's just boring. I don't care what you say. Right. And at the end of our trip, we had a 395-mile uh, journey across uh, Highway 80 into yes. Nevada and Nevada to, into uh, California and home mm -hmm. and that is pretty long boring stuff yes. and you know you're you're trying to decompress and I don't know that was no fun right but you got to keep it short and hey if you don't want to we we had a time constraint at the end right my wife still works so she had to get back for work but if you're you know if you're retired it doesn't matter so right. you get tired of driving it you pull over you camp that's right. the beauty of it or you, you look for the next sign, the next Starbucks down the road, and you stop and you relax for a couple hours. So what? You don't have to, like I say, there's no time constraints. So if you're in that category, I could see you could break up these long hauls by, hey, we're going to go to lunch at Spot X, and then we're going to have a, uh, a little relaxing time over here. So you have a, a lot more leeway if, you're, if you don't have to be back at a certain time, obviously. Yes, the leeway factor is big. We did that, too. I, I didn't, when I say it was a long haul, you know, maybe seven hours of driving, that seven hours would be over probably nine hours. Yes. I would stop. We could have lunch. That's the beauty. You just walk in the back, make your lunch. You don't have to look for the, you know, your favorite fast food joint or whatever. Right, You right. stop and eat your own food when you want to. Well, that's great, Bruce. I, I appreciate you sharing that, that your second experience in an RV, and obviously it sounds like you would do it again. And uh, so thanks for joining us on the Weekly Driver podcast. Uh, my name is James Rea, editor and publisher of theweeklydriver.com. Please check out my site. And thanks, Bruce, my co-host, for sharing his 17 days on the road and his second experience with he and his wife in their, in their motorhome. Um, see you next time. See ya.